Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Is that good? Yes, sir! I know who I am! Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I, I, I have planned. I like this All shit. It is an awesome You know Dance off, bro. It is your Me destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection next segment. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week, obviously, for the next segment, we're not going to be alone. We're going to have a pretty brave man out from L.A. Everyone, I want you to say a warm welcome to Colin Llewellyn from the Another Film Podcast. Hello, Colin. Hello. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting stuff. <laughs> you sound positively <laughs> overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is going to be fun, man. Excellent. All right, so what's the weather out in L.A. today? <laughs> it's a it's a crisp 54 right now. I don't know what that is. I don't work with uh, uh, it. What is it, like 11? I don't know. Fucking weirdos. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you backwards Europeans. <laughs> that's, the, that's the United States, how progressive they are. They're like, you know what? We don't like any new shit. Fuck it. We're going to stay with <laughs> gallons and inches. We yeah. refuse to change, and that's why we're in this mess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, Colin, tell us a little bit about your, your show with Judd. Yeah. Uh, it kind of started with this idea of, like, I, I like old movies, classics if you will and um right i noticed like the general conversation about film online and like your your standard youtube channels and whatnot really steer more toward like blockbusters like there's a hundred shows about marvel and whatnot and i was like well what if yeah. i how do, how do i talk about those movies but also talk about some of the stuff that gets me more excited so basically the idea is that we take two movies a contemporary and a classic and just discuss what cinematic DNA they share. So sometimes that's, you know, really on the nose, really easy stuff to talk about, like La La Land and Singing in the Rain. But um, an episode we just recorded that I'm really excited about, we, we're doing a Western episode, but we're doing The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which Mrs. is Miller, sure... Yeah to win us the longest podcast title in history award. <laughs> it's going to be one of those things that it's going to be three dots after the first three words. And people will be like, okay, yeah. what's going on? It's the cowards the and then dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. So basically, <laughs> you know, and, and it's a, it's a good way to talk about movies that are coming out now or that came out in like the last 10 years. I get us excited, but it's also a good way for us to, uh, I hope, you know, we have a small listenership, but I hope that somebody out there who like, likes listening to us talk about stuff, We'll go get McCabe and Mrs. Miller, or, you know, um, watch something that they probably wouldn't have watched in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I like to volunteer myself as one of those people, because uh, I actually do. I listen to the show uh, regularly now, and I, I really enjoy it, so I immediately recommend it to our, who are our listeners. Thank you. But uh, I, I'm not super first in classic films, so I'm always fascinated to hear how that sort of ties into the films that I'm more aware of. Uh, so it works perfectly for me as a format, but then on on top of that, users have a, a, like a great rapport with Watchers Watch, and your recommendations are genuinely good. Like I I figure off the back of you talking about Mad Men is now why I've started watching Mad Men, and I'm yeah. like after that I'm gonna be looking at girls like you've done that, and then there's all these like sort of classic films, obviously that I need to watch at some point. Yeah, and 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 one thing that I'm really passionate about is uh like the history of of the the picture business, so. Right. Yeah. So it's a good way, like, you know, on this last episode, I go kind of deeper into, like, the new Hollywood movement and the context of, of why, you know, Robert Altman was making this anti-Western. Um, and so it's it's a good way for me to just talk to the air and feel like it's being productive because nobody else wants to hear me talk about this. I mean, I think that's why most people get into podcasting sure. anyway, because there's, like, my girlfriend's <laughs> sick of hearing me talk about specific camera angles, and so maybe I should find someone who doesn't mind hearing me talk about that shit. <laughs> yeah, put up with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I listened to pretty much every one of your episodes as well. I think the only one I haven't listened to right now is the one on Star Wars and Akira Kurosawa. I'm going to get to that, but I remember the latest one that you guys put out was The Apartment Punch and Drunk Punch Love. Drunk Love. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was, was fun. So anybody who's listening to this right now, head over to another film podcast with Colin Llewellyn and Judson Grant. You guys are in for a treat. It's a really, really fun new podcast. And I'm hoping that they record a fucking promo so I can put it on our show every week. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will we've actually been discussing that I, for, I forgot to bring it back up with you guys so this week is going to be a pretty charged discussion i think um teaser trailer came out i don't remember for what though yeah so. it's uh it's escapes me the new ryan johnson movie right <laughs> Star Trek. right it's the follow-up to looper that's what it is yeah obviously the rainmaker he grows up he turns out to be bruce willis as well i mean it's crazy yeah. <laughs> but before we get into the conversation what i'm going to do right now is take a quick break uh, i don't want to talk to lee anyway um <laughs> so what we're going to do right now is we're going to set up film quotes read by tweens stay tuned i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle hi everyone this is tim costa i'm hermano da silva and this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiae shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I wonder shut who up. the cat can God rocks. damn it, shut I up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the Okay, welcome back. Uh, so that was uh, Jason's Kids, obviously, reading us more hilarious uh, quotes by tweens. <laughs> and uh, so we're going we're gonna to go straight into uh, what we watched this week. And we're going to jump to Colin. He's going to let us know maybe the most the, the, the most important thing that he would recommend from this week's viewing. So take it away, Ooh. sir. Uh, most important. Well, I, I mentioned the two movies I watched in preparation for my podcast, which I think would be the two films people should go watch and then listen to my podcast. Oh. Uh, <laughs> however, I watched, I watched some other stuff. Uh, uh, I, I won't go into it in detail, but I, I did get to see my, my favorite movie of all time uh, on a 35-millimeter print out here in L.A., uh, There Will Be Blood, and that's always a treat. Whenever that cool. plays, I go see it. Uh, even if I just watched it yesterday, I would I would love it to come to cinemas. I was going to say I've never seen a PTA film in in cinemas, but I've seen uh, Junin lately, so oh, there I, you go. I have actually technically. There's a scene in the movie where he's on the train with um, HW, and he's very when yeah. he's a baby. Yes, and he used this lens from like the 1910s. And when you watch it on like Blu-ray, you, you can kind of notice that it looks a little different. But on film, it pops, and it's got that like real hazy, old school look right. to it. It's gorgeous. Um, nice, awesome. I, I watched Lion. Did you guys see that movie? Yeah, I seen that back in the and uh, hype up to Oscar films. What did, what, what, did you, <laughs> what did you think of it? Lee. It was okay. Yeah, I I appreciate that the story. These are these are real people. Uh, especially the main guy. He's a real person with a, a serious thing happened yeah. to him, and and it was very tragic. And I, I think that the the real story behind it is one that's it's genuinely fascinating and incredible. Like one of those sort of when you hear about it, you can't believe it actually worked out. Like Google Earth finds your family kind of thing. I found the film. The first half of it was absolutely great. I, I loved the the child's like journey through adoption and stuff like that. I thought. That was like terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But uh, when he grows up to be this sort of genuinely abrasive, you know, difficult guy who just doesn't seem to get it, but the film kind of pats him on the back for keeping, for continually turning people away and not not looking at his family dead in the eyes that he has or anything. And we never really make it to a point where we see him actually appreciate his foster parents and stuff like that. Yeah, it was. It felt like they they kind of took some shortcuts to me. Like he yeah. he's sitting in class talking about cricket, and then he all of a sudden decides that this is the most important thing to him. And and yeah, right. we didn't get any time with adult. Uh, I forgot his name, but the the adult version of the character before he starts this like obsessive journey, and so yeah, the, like like you said, the first like this is a this isn't a good criticism, but it, it <laughs> felt like this could have been like one of the best six episode miniseries to ever be made if if that's the way they wanted oh, to do absolutely. it. Absolutely, because the the last hour of it it just went quick and. 
you know. Yeah, we spent no time there. We don't really learn to know this guy, but we have to sort of try to pe- pick the pieces up. And we're introduced to his family life with his with his brother. And we don't actually. There's not a there's not a significant thing said there. It's just sort of like. Look at how damaged his brother is. And I mean, that's that's A, probably based on reality, and B, entirely true on how that affects the character. But we all we see of it is a snapshot of, of the main guy just not liking him and nothing else, you know? <laughs> it's like it's uh, it's like Rogue One where everyone's like, no, you got to read the the book and then you'll understand why the characters yeah, are like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't stand on its own, absolutely. Not that I'm saying that, that about Rogue One. That's my own Star Wars baggage. <laughs> I'm trying to stay on theme today. Yeah, this is foreshadowing. I have to be honest with you guys, I had no interest in seeing Lion at all. It was on my list, but now, like, just after hearing this, I'm like, I don't even have to watch this fucking movie. <laughs> no, that's, I did I did say that. I mean, I think the story behind it's fascinating, that it, it, it deserves reading into yeah. because it is a genuine great thing. But I think that if you read the Wikipedia page on it, you will be as informed as the film informs you, <laughs> and you, you'll save a lot more yeah. time. <laughs> unless, unless you're just, like, a cinematography junkie, because Greg Frazier does some, some cool work in this. But It is some good work, definitely. But other than that, you know... I was I was kind of like I guess disappointed with some of the because uh, it had that Oscar buzz to it. So, and, but this is I'm watching it in April, so obviously I wasn't that rushed out to see it. <laughs> I don't know. My mom loves that stuff, and so I I, Oscar I, I, I always I always have trouble getting into films like that because most of the time they don't make films like this unless they succeed, right? There's supposed to be inspirational stories about like very hard times, but if you keep at it, then you'll finally you know it's just basically a regular Hollywood story that we seen time and time again so every time i sit down to watch something like that it's it's basically it's the same as porn to me where you're like you understand where it's going you understand the outcome and you don't even know why you're watching it you know what i mean so my mom is definitely not the person that's going to watch porn but she's got her version of it in lion yeah it's it's like a uh it's like a procedural you know they're gonna catch the bad guy at the end yeah exactly that's a much better example than mine (laughs) I don't think so. I think comparing Lion to Porn was fantastic. But I think that that's what it is. You know, when you when you log into a movie like that, when you sit down to watch it, you're expecting it to follow a specific beats. You're expecting, uh, you yeah. know, first act to end a specific way. Second act is supposed to end at this place. And at the third act, the whole resolve is there. So, I mean, there's no real surprise. It's like watching a rom-com at that point. Andrew from the AB Film Review and The Last New Wave, he actually interviewed the producer of the film and the author of the book, who happens to be the boy. I forget his name. And I, I had fun listening to that interview because there's a lot of insight that goes into what this guy has lived, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that if I could, I'd, I'd send people over to listen to Andrew's podcast on Lion. If ever you guys really want to have an in-depth kind of approach to Lion, I think Andrew at the AB Film Review would probably be the best guy to do. Sure, yeah. Our, our longtime listeners will re- recall he was one of the many voices on the Inherent Vice episode. So I mean, Right, exactly. Uh, yes, Colin. Uh, any, any other films that have... Uh, Picked your interest this this week? Oh well, I did. I watched the uh, 1946 film Rita Hayworth movie Gilda, which uh, for nice. most people might be most remembered from Shawshank Redemption. Uh, yeah, definitely in my case. Rita Hayworth was also <laughs> the the pinup girl that he hid the hole in the wall with. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's a 40s noir movie, so it's like right up my my sweet spot. And she, <laughs> she like just. Just watch this movie. Like if you if you like if you if you like movies, that's all I have to say. Because I, I feel like I need to stop talking. No, that's, that's good. Man. That's that's a bad that's a bad thing to think on a audio based podcast. They they tuned in yeah. for you two, not for me. Uh, no, but we we got up for you. So yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck what the listeners think. We're here for you. Yeah, exactly. We seldom think about what people actually want to hear. We just like talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lee and I, that's what we do. We tune in to, to stare at each other. <laughs> Lee, yes, what did you watch uh, this week? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I watched Ghost in the Shell, but we're not talking about that. No, we're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. <laughs> um, I watched uh, the, the early launch of Rick and Morty's third season. All right. Uh, I can't. I, I'm not. I think I'll talk about it more when the third season actually launches because I feel you can't technically legally get that that episode online anymore. Or I feel like I, I'd be just sort of prodding people into a into a bad position if I say watch this episode when it's not technically available. Uh, so, oh, okay. uh, but for that small day, that window of opportunity, it was a 
Frill Ride, I watched it twice because I love Rick and Morty. Uh, it's um, fucking hilarious. Immediately I got one good quote out of it. Uh, Ghoulish Overkill. I think I'll use that for the rest of my life. Amazing. Uh, as, a as a description of uh, like Twitter exaggeration that you use to... Yeah, or yeah, anything on Twitter. <laughs> Ghoulish Overkill Summer! That's <laughs> amazing. So uh, yeah, I'm going to use that forever. I watched... I'm up to uh, like episode, uh, episode 7 in the first season of Mad Men. Man, what is, what is Mad Men? It is the weirdest show. It is like, it's incredibly well written. It's, it's format is bizarre. It's just, it's like things happening. The show, you know, yeah. there's not like, there's no arcs or anything. There's no like specific direction each episode wants to take. Most of the time, it's just a bunch of conversations and happenings in the, in the 60s that just sort of blur into each other. And it's fascinating and I can't stop watching it, but I don't get it. <laughs> Look, the, oh, the, 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 glorious, the yeah. key to Mad Men is to watch it a hundred times. Like, just w watch the series all the way through, and then, like, six months later, you're going to get this little itch in the back of your brain, and you're going you're gonna to pick a random episode in, like, season two, and the next thing you know, you're on season seven, because you just started, you just kept going. <laughs> oh, Mad Men, yeah. I, I loved every minute of Mad Men. I was never bored with that show, it's, and it's actually, even, like, when... Don, you think that he's actually getting better as an individual, like a person, like he's becoming a little <laughs> bit more, you know, of a, a relatable character. He goes in a direction where you're like, oh, fuck, no. I was just starting to like you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I did really. I like the fact that he's not incredibly likable. I like watching him for that. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, he's a fascinating, fascinating character for the sheer value that he isn't really relatable in any way. Yeah, but I mean, even that the fact that he's got well, two identities, if you will. You never know which one you're getting on any given episode, right? He could actually be, yeah. you know, Don Draper or what's his what's his alias? Dick again? Whitman. Whitman, there you go. Dick Whitman, And yeah. so you're like, are we seeing Whitman in this case? It's always kind of wrestling with those two sides of his personality. Yeah. And it's always been, it's great, man. And I honestly, like, obviously I'm a, I'm a super fan, but I, I've, people with clearer heads have told me the same thing. I don't think that there is a dip in quality. I think like some of the early seasons are my favorite over some of the later seasons, but I don't think right. there's been a show sure. that's run as long that stayed as consistently excellent as Mad Men. That's I agree. incredibly comforting to hear. Because oh, <laughs> you look at it and you say, oh, there's seven seasons of, of People in suits talking, but it's it really. But just keep going. <laughs> I guess I guess the the fact that it, like that that sort of non-linear approach to the storytelling it takes really benefits in that case because you don't feel like you're like you're watching specific episodes. It's all just one long continuous episode of these lives, and you just pick up points. Like things resolve themselves a couple of episodes down the line, some maybe a season later. I get the impression that some stuff is going to be dropped and never come back, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And you're kind of going, yeah, okay. So it's you kind of just you just keep watching. You're strung along, and you never question like I, oh, I'm going back to season two, episode five because that's the one where they they go to Chinatown or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, man, I, I agree with Colin. It doesn't dip in quality at all. It doesn't get better, but I like the fact that it, it kind of stays even. If uh, if I could go back to what I was watching just for a quick second. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, we were talking about TV. I forgot about TV. I'm re-watching Deadwood, and I don't know if either of you have watched the watched show. I haven't watched it yet. No, apparently Never it's really good. Oh. I, I really want to, if I had time and more intelligence, I really want to write a book about Deadwood, Mad Men, and The Wire as the story of American capitalism. And wow. It's, uh, That'd be so cool. Th those three shows are like, woo. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, be, no, let's let's do that. Let's write. Let's it's, get all three of us on it. We'll write a book on yeah, it. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll help with the madman side of things. Cool. <laughs> I, to, I really want to get to Deadwood. Uh, the Wire. I, it's always terrible. I always feel terrible when I talk about The Wire because I'm a white guy, and everyone's yeah, like, I "Well, can of course, that. we're all white guys, Jason." You know, people are always like, oh, "Of course, all white people are going to like The Wire." You know, I'm like, "Well." But it's good storytelling. You know what I mean? I, I understand both sides of the story and I really appreciate it. And at the same time, I find that the, for, the, for the black community, the injustices that they're going through, I don't see them as bad. You know what I mean? That's the thing. They're good for what they're doing and they're taking care of each other and 
it's the same thing on the other side. If if anything, the police side of things is way more corrupt. And I think that that's what The Wire is trying to point out, is that the white people are the fucking pricks throughout the entire goddamn series. <laughs> well, that that would be like... Uh, that seems about right. That would be the through line of, of this, this like book in my head is like the discovery of gold in America and how that leads to mass consumerism. And then you use Mad Men to explore that. But then how our structures of consumerism and capitalism in America weighs down in this systemic way on black Americans and how that leads yeah, to the, yeah. yeah. It makes perfect sense. No, it's good stuff, man. I, I'd actually, I'd, I'd read that. I'd even watch a documentary on it where you just kind of plug in specific I, yeah. scenes that I'd be right parallel there, yeah. each other. <laughs> you know, if you Maybe I'll make a video from, essay. Yeah. Well, getting the rights to that. I always try to upload when we did the, uh, I did an episode on Clockwork Orange at one point and I had kind of put uh, a whole video yes. together and I just kept getting flags from YouTube. This copyright copyright infringement <laughs> i was like i'm not doing anything this is criticism so anyway so sometimes video essays you have to work your way around it yeah anyhow yep lee moving on what did you else what else did you watch man oh yeah okay so yeah the one thing i did want to sort of push people towards watching my main recommendation because i don't need to recommend people to watch fucking mad men everybody's going to recommend that as as was what happened when i brought it up and you both jumped on like oh my god mad men yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think the hype is real for for Mad Men. I don't have to say much, uh, but I, I wanted to sort of back up uh, the Netflix show, The OA, which I I burned through in a solid three day period with uh, Maria because I, there's some really strange conflicting opinions on it. And I thought I'd, I'd toss mine into the into the ring. Uh, because it was genuinely one of the weirdest shows I've seen in a long time. Just for what the hell it's trying to do. Uh, a lot of people won't even have heard about it. Uh, and that's that's a real shame because somebody like it, the creative minds behind it really fucking care about this show. Cool. And it's some of the smartest writing I, I've seen in a, in a tied together quasi science fiction narrative I've seen in a while. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's this show on Netflix, The OA. It's about a, a girl who, her name's Prairie, but uh, she actually goes by The OA and she resurfaces after a long kidnapping back to her parents' house. She used to be blind, now she can see. And uh, nobody, she won't tell the FBI where she was. But slowly, she builds up a rapport with a bunch of kids in the in the general area, and she tells them her story. And her story happens to be this sweeping tale of when she she had a near death experience, where she went to another plane of existence, uh, and there was told, you know, you can stay here or you can go back, uh, but I'm taking your eyes. And essentially, then she gets kidnapped and put into a position with uh, four other, or three to four other people who have all had near death experiences, and they're captured by the fantastic Jason Isaacs, who plays this creepy scientist who kidnaps these people and experiments on them, try and understand what what ties near-death experiences to parallel dimensions it is a fascinating show it is a great character writing great science fiction behind it some really fun dual narrative going on from the modern day and the past they kind of connect very neatly some real it's it's a very metaphorical story as well a lot of it you can read it any way you want it tries to point you in one direction and it constantly tries to throw red herrings to mislead you but there's a there's this constant theme underneath it all that it's all tied together by this paranormal science fiction thing going on it i mean the only issue with it is that the first episode which is an hour and a half i think is difficult you know i i think if you don't know what you're getting into it's it's a strange one it's very slow it takes its time building the characters the world and I'd like you appreciate it in hindsight, maybe, but a lot of people will not get it for a long time. What the what the show's trying to do, but there's only eight episodes. They're all great. Uh, the story keeps you like breathlessly waiting for the next one, and and, and it and, like you could call it a day at the end of season one and say that well that ended perfectly. It ended perfectly, but at the same time the story continues. Desperately want to see what happens next. You know, it's one of those things. I'm just on like, how does it work out? You know, where does it go from there? I mean, this could go anywhere, and I mean, you could look into the internet. It is dense with secret theories and interpretations about what characters are secretly what and who's scheming what, and it is fascinating what people picked up on that you you might not even give a second glance to. It's a really, really well-defined show that, that somebody has taken very seriously to tell this very particular story, and I absolutely have to recommend it. I, it got a lot of bad criticism. It came out in December last year, and a lot of people compared it unfavorably to Stranger Things, and I can't imagine a more unfair comparison. Okay. And uh, they are... 
totally different, like tonally, what they're trying to achieve. I love Stranger Things, but Stranger Things is a far more standard science fiction, uh, paranormal story set yeah. with like a lot of homage to the 80s and that, and that sort of world. And it, it does a great job of capturing one of the, the creepiness of those sort of suburban stories. This is is, is not that. It, it's far more about these real human beings, the dynamic between them. And the science fiction just plays into interpreting what the what these characters mean in in the world, and it's far more heady. Yeah, but uh, it's also more rewarding to get in, invested in. So I, I absolutely recommend the OA. I think it's something that everybody should see, and it's something that I'm glad we kind of stumbled on and knew nothing about. Uh, it's absolutely worth people's time. Awesome. I'm a I'm cool. a big fan of uh, Britt Marling. I've watched her movies. Oh yes. Right, she makes, she makes yeah, she makes a lot of interesting stuff. So you know, I, I've never heard of her. That's she's, I didn't even she's know she the creative was in mind. That. She wrote she she wrote it. Really, she, oh, I'm and, watching it. And That's she's it. the That's star of it. Know. So I mean, she's fantastic. Absolutely. Have she, you seen Another Earth? Yeah. No. Man, fuck! I love that picture. Yeah. Really, so good. If you like good storytelling, which you you were always talking about scripts and how people well people write and stuff like that, Another Earth is great. Uh, even the sound of my cool. voice feels like a, an M Night Shyamalan film that he didn't do, and it's on a level where you're like oh fuck there's a twist at Great. the end you know where you're like you're not expecting most of these things to come you know it's got always got that vibe that's what I mean okay. it is, uh, it's one of the best like written yeah, shows I've seen in even, a long time It's did, did you see The East? I own it I, I bought it but I, I, did, I hadn't gotten around to watching it yet that's another one that like got a lot of mixed reviews but I, that was my first Brit Marling experience and I, I really okay. like that one too it's about like she goes she's an FBI agent who goes undercover in this like environmental terrorism cell um, right in, yeah, nice. they're like they're like you know dumpster diver hippies, but they're also like gonna blow up these oil companies and shit. Um, but right. her and her writing partner, right, right. who did the OA, have have been writing these movies together. And when I heard she did a series, I was excited. But yeah, the the writing partner, I, I forget it's his name. It starts with a Z, uh, but it's very long. Yeah, it begins with a Z. Uh, he directs the entire series back to front, so it's oh. really like a long form oh, film. Now it's I got the same it. singular vision as well. He's the guy who directed the East. Yeah, and the sound of my voice. Cool. So let me. I'll get. I'll get my Blu-ray. It's right here. I'll, we'll get his fucking name. <laughs> there we go. His name is Zal Batman. Yeah, that yeah, Batman Glee. There you go. That's the so one. That's right on. Batman Glee. Cool. So the OA, that was great. Cool, man. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. All right, Jason. I, I won't go into much because I really want to start talking about Star Wars. I watched this week. Uh, well, as I mentioned on the previous episode when we were talking about Under the Skin, if you guys, thank you so much. It's been great reception for Under the Skin so far. A lot of people yeah, have been huge. sending a lot of recommendations. Actually, it was, it was really cool. David Hart. Uh, has been really pushing the episodes like guys get in watch the listen to this i know it's ridiculous <laughs> as i said on that episode i had watched fences uh and so i don't want to get into it i am probably going to rewatch it this summer because it really stuck with me i loved it we talked about legacy a little bit and how you know that plays heavily into like what goes on with responsibility towards your family in the end, even if the yeah. experience with family is not necessarily something that was uh, a positive one for you growing up. Uh, in the end, it's what you have. It's no matter what you got out of it, positive or, or negative, it is part of you. And you should honor that part to a certain extent. And I think that Fences sure. is really good. You know, when unless, unless you read it like a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's a very depressing downward spiral. And then, you know, that's the you're other actually side supposed I was to disagree with to. the ending, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, even if it is a depressing one, it's... It's, there are two lessons you can learn, which is both sides of the fence, if Absolutely. you will. Absolutely. And so... That's, that's what's great about it. It's I thought great that story. was a great story. Um, I started watching, and I haven't finished yet, so Five Came Back, the documentary that was put on on Netflix about uh, the uh, five directors yes. that went and filmed World War II for the... Uh, uh, for the United States to, uh, to film the war because they felt it was their duty after seeing uh, Gibble's propaganda film, William Wyler and John Huston, who, um, funnily enough, when we were actually talking about... Um, I was just going to say, The Master. The Master, exactly, yeah. You had a, a John uh, Huston film in there about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I have actually seen mm -hmm. uh, Why We Fight from Frank Capra. I think it was the, the second one. It was a really, really interesting documentaries. And it was basically why these directors felt the need to kind of fight uh, the Nazis with 
film because they actually realized that the Nazis were using film in order to brainwash an entire nation. They figured that in order yeah. to get people a little bit more aware of what was going on because the United States wasn't doing anything about World War II at that point in time, they figured we need to show the people what's actually going on instead of avoiding it. And so the documentary, I can't recommend it enough. It's three episodes. Uh, they're about an hour each. And that's it. I haven't quite finished yet, but I'm looking forward to getting to it. I was just looking for the time. So five came back. Uh, what else? I uh, rewatched The Force Awakens because that's awesome. Uh, I watched Louis C.K.'s latest stand comedy show called 2017. It starts out a little bit weird, but it turns into one of probably his best stand-up specials. So cool. if you guys have a chance to do it, it came out, uh, I think it was on April 4th uh, on Netflix. So you guys can head out and watch that. And the last one that I watched was um, Sorrentino's Youth. I haven't finished it yet because uh, I haven't had a chance. I had to get back to grading. Uh, sometimes I take breaks in the middle of grading papers to just go do something interesting. And uh, I started watching Youth. And I don't know, people were giving it a lot of flack for being like poorly written. The dialogue was a little sketchy and whatnot. And right. I have no idea what the fuck those haters are talking about because <laughs> so far this movie is fantastic. Uh, the performances are great. And that's it. I think that the dialogue is really, really good. But obviously the biggest thing that I did watch this week is going to be The Last Jedi trailer. Or teaser. Sorry, teaser because... Yeah, oh yeah, the distinction has to come in immediately. <laughs> fucking... teaser trailer and it's not supposed to give you any story points or whatever the fuck it is so max landis god throw yourself off a bridge why what, what did he say he went on a rant on twitter talking about how a trailer is supposed to inform you about story beats it's supposed to inform you about like give you a little bit of uh, of character development what they're going to be doing and i think he should stick to pitching films because if i look at the stories that like he's the written, exact the only one that's actually quite yeah. It's the exact opposite it, it, of what I would want from a trailer is to know what the fucking film is. I don't understand that at I all. <laughs> I'm positive he's a nice guy, but he should take the time to think about yeah. what he says as opposed to just go on Twitter and let his thumbs do the thinking. Sure. You know? M- so, much the yeah. same to everyone on it's, Twitter. It's, it's the Donald Trump age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, I guess. But I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the biggest thing I watched was the Last Jedi teaser, and I loved it. And I'm not saying... It did exactly what it needed to do. It gave you a little bit of a glimpse of what was coming. Uh, It's beat for beat the Force Awakens teaser, which is kind of cool. You see the same kind of motif coming. Um, So I don't know. Let's get into it. What did you guys think? Let's start with uh, Colin, man. Uh, So for me, the the thing I was most excited to see um, just in general was how this movie was going to look. Uh, I really wanted to see right. what the like the cinematography and the shot compositions of a Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie would look like, and just already in like the opening cool, bit, 
was just so fucking cool. Like the slow fade in the rocks and the tilt up to Ray. But but not only yeah. that, but just Perfect. like the the slow moving on the island to reveal them. You know, he's up top and she's down there twirling her lightsaber. And uh, Judson pointed out that the shots are much, they take their time. You know, like, J.J. has that kinetic energy, which uh, is exactly what Star Wars needed yeah. for, like, the the breakout Disney era Star Wars movie. But Ryan Johnson's slowing, yeah. Yeah. slowing it down. He's slowing down the camera and he's going to... He's going to dive deep into, like, the meat of what the story of this trilogy is going to be in. And um, right. and you get you do get that in this trailer with the Luke narration. I think everything he says in that in the in the trailer does give you a little bit of what this is about. And it's about it's about yeah, diving into the mythology absolutely. of the force. And it's about breaking the dogma of the Jedi and uh, it's like it's yeah, super exciting. Exactly. I don't see. I don't see cool. why. I don't. Yeah, I don't see why people don't feel they're informed about the film. I think that is more information than there's you could possibly ever want. There, you know, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> and, and, and there's exactly what I wanted to hear that the story was going to fucking try and fu- try and denounce the fucking black and white side of the the force and the because that was the shit that really dug home how dull and poorly thought out the prequel series was is that I, I it's not that I want somebody to sit down and tell me what it is it's just that I want there to be more to it than just there's a good side and there's a bad side that's not reflective of the world we live in or any world that exists ever <laughs> I, I went on like a little bit of like a t- twitter rant thread on this because um, I was I watched it with my girlfriend a couple I joined a couple in. times and Basically, what I, the way I see it as is, uh, as what's presented to me, and knowing what Star Wars has been doing, like in their cartoon show and in their books, like changing the ways we they talk about the Force, is I see Luke as looking at the Jedi, the Jedi's interpretation of the Force. It's like people who think the Earth is 5,000 years old. And then he he realizes, he says there's so much more. So and much so more, he's, exactly. he's realizing, no, the Earth isn't 5,000 years old. It's 4 billion years old. But there's also a universe that's like 13 trillion years old. So like we're going to, we're and he's not going to understand it, but he's not going to form like a dogmatic principle and, and like this like society of monks yeah, who exactly. tell you not to get married or whatever. Exactly. Good. Okay. But I mean, that that's the thing. I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of cinematography at the beginning there, Colin, because there are really important shots in this teaser that, that communicate really different messages, which is kind of cool. And I mean, if you take the first three shots that we see, like you said, Ray, you know, falling down, putting her hand on like this hard rock. Okay. And then the tilt up towards her, but then the shot right after that is going to be a landscape of a rising sun or a setting sun. And so you have this landscape that can be either, like I said, the rising or the setting of a sun, which means either the dawn of a new age or the setting of an old one. Yeah. Right? Right. So you have that balance that's being created there. And then you'll have the touch of the earth and then the shot from above, which is the sky. So you have this idea of connectivity between earth and sky, you know, the ethereal versus the tangible that's going to be playing out there. And I was like, Jesus, this you is look cool. at the, as you're saying, you look at those shots and, and you and you you look at just the you have like three or four lines of dialogue and you know everything you need to know about this upcoming well, film that you everything else you experience when you fucking watch it. Yeah, and, and I think exactly. uh, that's it. The you know, he has that uh, that John Ford shot at the end, the searcher shot of uh, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. Luke and, and and but but think about what that shot's communicating to you with that line: "The Jedi need to end." He's in; they're in the dark. Mm-hmm. The Jedi were in the dark. Luke's go. taking them to the light, and it's not the light side in the way that the Jedi interpret it. But he's taking them to show, like the yeah. whole world is out there, and uh, like the Jedi are just flat earthers; like they're interpreting everything all wrong. And retroactively, if it goes this way. You could watch the prequels and it can like kind of pay off now. Yeah, exactly, right? The fucking the prequels were my my generation Star Wars and I they're terrible, but I can never get past the fact that they're mine. So I mean, I, I I'm always happy for them to be the the story of the idiots, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the the midichlorians are just like the catholic version of like, "Oh, you make a donation, you can get into heaven." <laughs> what I wanted from the teaser was that I just I wanted it to debunk the rumor that um Luke was going to be a telepath in this he wasn't going to speak with his voice he was going to speak with the force or something like that i'd heard that somewhere on the internet and it was just like uh that's gonna kill this film for me i just why can't he fucking talk there's no he took a vow of silence that doesn't sound like him that sounds exactly against what he would do so why would he do that even fucking even yoda didn't take some vow of silence you know yeah supposedly more in touch than he fucking look was so why but uh they that didn't happen thankfully so that's all i needed to know (laughs) 
<laughs> he's clearly like still working in the force because he's he is training Ray in the trailer. So like yeah. I, I see like some overreactions from fans are like, there's no way they could end the Jedi. Then what are they going to do? Just not use the force? But people, I don't think fans understand that like the force exists outside Jedi. They just created a religion yeah, around exactly. it. Exactly. It's so weird. We even get hints throughout the trailer. If you listen very carefully, you hear these other voices that are there. Did, mm, did you guys pick yeah. up on that? These little remnants of what's been going on. But then you have Luke that's hovering above all this. Like he's still trying to figure shit out. Yeah. Which I think mm. that's when you were listening to the panel at Celebration when Daisy Ridley says, the one thing I can tell you is that sometimes when you meet your heroes, you're not getting what you expect. You know? And so... I don't know if that she's actually saying that Luke is going to be reluctant to train Ray. I'm sure he is. I mean, I, well, I wonder if there's <laughs> he trained he trained the guy who killed Han Solo. So I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not he's not super dying to train another. <laughs> I wonder if she's yeah. I wonder if she's kind of being a little uh, meta there, telling the fans don't expect Return of the Jedi Luke. You know, like you're going to meet your hero again. Yeah, he's going to be a lot different, to. and it's not going to be all like. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. It's going to be, let me tell you what I've been learning for 30 years and how this changes everything. Yeah, exactly. I think absolutely. that's more like it. You know, the fact that he's he's reluctant to train her in the Jedi arts. Like, you know, it's, I like that. I have a feeling that he's going to be an evolution of the defiant rebel that he was, you know. And that last line, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, the Jedi are ending. It's, I, you said it perfectly earlier, Colin. It's not Luke giving up. It's it's Luke moving yeah. on, you know? Yeah. Let, let me let me ask you guys this. Uh, all this discussion about Luke and maybe abandoning the Jedi teachings. Is is there is there a shot he never he never uses that green lightsaber again? I've got to guess he uh, he's got a white one now. He's uh he's 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 up this game. because uh, he made that like hand handmade fucking green one out of his own shit and he just like, he worked all that himself. <laughs> Uh, in, in the space of like a month because he had to hurry up and do this fucking rescue hand mission thing. Uh, now it's been 30 years. He's not going to... This, this piece of shit that he made himself, you know, he's going to... He's going to double down. He's going to read some books and get a white one. You know, one, of the, one that represents but, balance. But do you know why? Do you know why they're white, though? Uh, what? The kyber crystals? I, I would actually like it, but I would like... I want there to be an explanation if he has a white one because Ahsoka, Ahsoka has two white ones. And oh, the really? reason she has white ones is because she defeated two Sith and the Sith, once you have that kyber crystal that's been kind of corrupted, if you will, whenever a Jedi repurposes it and builds an old lightsaber with it, it no longer has a color. It's, it's been moved from the light side to the dark to oh, a more cool. balanced white. So if ever that does happen, and he does have a white saber, which I'd be cool, I would like it to be Vader's. Vader's? Yeah, He's Vader's. basically be, yeah. repurposed. That would be nice. That would be a nice little touch where he would actually have his father's old hilt, but he's actually rebuilt it using the same kyber crystal that Vader had, hmm. and then he he was actually able to ignite it white. Ren would be fucking pissed because that's the one thing he wants is Vader's life. I had this. Uh, oh, that's a good point. I had this theory that like half people liked, half people hated, but that Luke doesn't actually use his lightsaber in the Last Jedi because when Kylo turned on him, he. He took his green lightsaber from him, and he's been—he has it all this time. So then, in, epi in episode nine, when Luke's arc kind of comes to fruition, and he ignites it, he's like Luke again in the sense that he's ready to embrace like his Jedi heritage in a sense, but also what he's also learned. And so, like, kind of completes his sequel trilogy arc when he like turns it on in episode nine and like the third act. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a stupid fan. I, you know, That's I a, mind that. an exciting theory. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is the kind of thing that I like from these. Uh, there's there's a very clear distinction about what I don't like about this teaser coming out, and I uh, do like. I do okay. like discussion. I like speculation. I think that's fun. I think that's nothing wrong with like just imagining what could happen. I mean, you're obviously you're building up a picture in your head that immediately the film's going to struggle to live up to or debunk because you already have your your checklist of things you want to happen or think should happen or might happen. And then when you watch the film, 
nine times out of ten, most of that stuff is just pure speculation coming from nowhere, and you just and if you were right, then it would be very formulaic of the film to be able to be written by just any schmo listening right. uh, who watched the teaser and went, bam, all the all the plot points, I got it immediately. I, <laughs> I knew what was coming for the Last Jedi, but uh, yeah. that I I still think I, I like I there's nothing wrong with discussion. I think discussion is a big part of what makes um, Star Wars films fun to enjoy because there's a huge fan base of people from all walks of life and all different exposures to the series that. Uh, all have something interesting to that they've got from it and something that they want to impart. To, and it's just a fun experience to join in on that. What I don't like <laughs> is just people shouting shit on Twitter. Just a million and one people rushing to the fore with the breaking news that the teaser's out and that they're the ones to break this exclusive story that the poster is on Twitter or that uh, or that uh, they're the first person to declare their disappointment in a teaser. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't... That's not discussion. That's just shouting shit. Uh, that depresses me. Uh, and, and, and it... It's it's something it's the same shit that the the Marvel and the DC fans do as well. Any any huge fan base because there's so many people all think so many things. The first instinct is to be the first person to just either shout out how much you love it or denounce it or and you, yeah. you don't want you don't want to engage with people. You just want to be heard as somebody shouting something. I I I, I, I'm of course guilty of it too. Everybody is, but it's something that I just try my best to steer away from. And when I like, I, the trailer came out, and I just looked at Twitter and it's scrolled through a hundred posts, all saying the exact same fucking thing about like, I, I was disappointed. I thought there'd be more story. I mean, or it, I was elated to see this this film's going to be everything I wanted to be, both for grand assumptions <laughs> based on nothing. <laughs> Terrible exactly. decisions to, so de- to decide whether this film is going to be great or not. Off the, you don't decide from a teaser or a trailer. You don't. You watch the film. These are just advertisements. They're they're trying to get you to watch the film by showing you a couple of images, and then you go and watch them. It just <laughs> it's a constant strive to sort of to take away building hype. I I mean you can't help it. It just happens. Even discussion does it. You're everybody's guilty, but at the same time, there's something just about how social media has has handled that forum of people. Just it doesn't it doesn't do anyone any favors at all engaging in, in in a shouting contest about what the fucking Star Wars trailer was like. You know, take it more fun. <laughs> Colin, Colin was actually on your side. He was, he was, uh, he said, he was quote retweeting a bunch of people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He was quote retweeting a bunch of people saying like, calm the fuck down. Well, you know? I, it's essentially was the, the main I message. had a friend who was like, who was like, oh, I, you know, I thought I'd see a little more. I I just didn't really respond to it. And like people were telling him he was wrong for thinking that. And I was like, guys, oh, wow. like it, it's, it's a, it's like essentially a minute 45 of, uh, disconnected images. Like the, the one yeah. thing yeah. Max Landis said, which actually kind of disproved his original point because it's a teaser is he says it looks like a cinematography yeah. reel. And that's essentially what a teaser is anyway. Because <laughs> it's, exactly. it's disjointed, beautiful images that make you want to watch more. Um, so, yeah. Colin was talking about the green lightsaber. What, what are the things in... And just, just as a forecast, just for fun, just so we can clear this out. What are the things that you're afraid of that might happen in 8 or 9 that you don't want to see or see or whatever? You know what I mean? What are the things, like, without getting into, like, this better happen or not, but what are the yeah, things, right. as as the kid you are watching these movies, you what could, is it that... Yeah, like, what, what would disappoint you to see uh, happen, you know, yeah. direction-wise? <laughs> so my my main fear, I, I say this all the time, I'm open to anything in my in movies and in franchises I love, as long as it's the execution is, is good. Uh, so they could kill Luke yeah. in the first five minutes of The Last Jedi if... If Ryan Johnson executes that, <laughs> all right. But my main concern, the one that like actually bothers me when I think about it, I I am not a big fan of Derek Connolly or Colin Trevorrow so far. And the mm. way that they write characters and in their movies, especially female characters, uh, there's not a lot of maturity and there's not a lot of emotional resonance. And... I I am so obsessed with these new characters, especially Ray. Yeah. I think she's like one of the, yeah. the better characters to come from 
from blockbuster movies in the last couple decades. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just really nervous about how they might handle her, especially in the, given the fact that this is, could be the closing episode of this whole saga. And uh, I don't know, you know, it takes a village at Lucasfilm. Kathy Kennedy is one of the best producers ever. Uh, Ryan Johnson's probably going to be heavily (laughs) involved with the development of the movie, but I, I still get. I get nervous and a little upset that that <laughs> they were chosen to finish this out. Um, I agree with you 100%. I totally agree, yeah. Colin Trevorrow, when he was selected, one of the things that he mentioned was that he was probably going to try to film a couple of sequences in space. And when I heard him say <laughs> that, right. I was like... Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. That's fucking fuck ridiculous. Who the fuck with cares? You? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what? Why would you do that? It has, <laughs> Star Wars has a bit to do with space, but what's the advantage <laughs> of it doing that? Have you watched 2001 A Space Odyssey? It's uh. not the same physics. What the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? You know, and so Trevorrow is just one of those guys that I feel like he, you know, he played with his shit just a little too long when he was a child. And I don't know, even Jurassic World, like you were talking about, Colin, you were saying the development of his characters. Yes, he can direct action. Not a problem. I can give him that 100%. He's a very talented man when it comes to directing action. But the characters that he had, I was like, whoa, Whoa, what the hell's going on here? Has some of the worst characterization I've seen in a blockbuster film in a long time. (laughs) So I I 100% understand where you're Share that anxiety. Yep, exactly. My my theory is, so episode eight was supposed to come out next month. Um, May 27th. And when they switched the release date to December, they kept the same production schedule for a May release. Like, John Williams has been scoring the movie the last couple months. So my theory is is they they kept that schedule for a lot of logistical reasons, I assume. Things were booked. But also, by the time the fall rolls around and they're amping up the movie, Ryan Johnson doesn't have to be in the editing room until the, the 13th hour, 11th hour whatever but he'll actually i'm hoping it's because they want him to be hands-on in the episode nine development because that will go into production next winter and so i'm hoping like they're right in their spit draft right now we're raising heels and finn gets eaten by a monster for way too long (laughs) but ryan johnson's gonna take a red marker to that and just take care of it Uh, Raising heels, that's amazing. Yeah, Uh, and Luke's in in this bubble, and Jimmy Fallon's there for some reason. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, Shooting, shooting it in space. That 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 uh, that is that is the perfect concern. That is that sums it up really. Just like (laughs) how how nobody cares, and how to make nobody care. But uh, yeah, no, I, I entirely agree with Colin. I I, I I couldn't really genuinely put my finger. I don't really tend to think ahead of what films I want films to be. I I, uh, I as Colin was saying as well that you're happy to come and go no matter what happens as long as they execute it well. I entirely agree. I don't even I don't even mind them killing off old characters. Uh, even though I, I I would hope they do it tastefully. And, and and not just one film after the other. We just like the, the shock twist ending is another another classic icon gets killed. I, I that would that would grade uh, yeah. that would that would wear me down a bit. But genuinely, I'm just hoping that uh, it's it's a fucking good time. And also, my real fear was that Luke didn't speak. So you know, uh, they've already cleared that up. I, I'm not concerned at all anymore. <laughs> My, my my main fear, I think the one, but it's not a it's not a fear or anything like that. It's not something that I I wouldn't like. I'm getting older, right? And these are characters that I love, and seeing them go kind of sucks. And especially like Colin said, one of his favorite characters, Luke Skywalker, and it's the same for me. And I know that eventually it's going to happen. I'm going to have to say goodbye to this character, and part of me that means that part of my youth is headed out the door as well. You know, and so I sure. see Luke standing at that door, searcher's style, and I'm like, "Yes, there's light outside, but I know that that light, the sun sets eventually," and it gets <laughs> me a little bit worried about where that could head. And I'm like, "I know there's an eventuality. I don't know if it's going to be in Episode Eight or Episode Nine. I'm hope I'm hoping that he doesn't go, but there's a part of the kid down there that's just been like, you know, don't do this. Mm. But at at the same time, I understand. I mean, it's going to be 
logical that if he is the last Jedi and the Jedi must end, it really does mean that if he's around, as long as he's around, then the Sith can rise or whatever it is, you know? So there's going to probably have to be an end. Snoke has to go and Luke has to go. We just don't know how and when those things are going to happen. Yeah. So, Pretty much. That's, that's balance. That's how it works. Exactly. And so that's why I'm like, Ugh. there's a part of me that, that hopes that Chewbacca gets this bitch slap Kylo Ren once. Just in a weird, like, sucker punch style thing, you know, Uncle Chewbacca just whacking Ren. This is like, fucking therapy. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm hoping that that helmet crushes Chewbacca that just stomped the shit just out of him. bashes it, him know? to the ground and kicks the shit. <laughs> so, yeah. but other than that, I, I'm actually heading into this one in a very different manner than I headed into The Force Awakens because as I was heading into The Force Awakens, I had the story I wanted in my head. Yeah. And then when I watched it, I was like, this doesn't make sense. That's not working. This isn't it. And I had my girlfriend and my two daughters and I was walking out of the cinema going, ah, meh. And my entire family told me, you're ruining this for us and for yourself. And I was like, okay. And so the next day I went back, you know, and I understood what the story was about. Then I started watching it, not as a Star Wars fan, but as a, as a film guy. And I want to see what the hell J.J. Abrams was doing with the film. And then I realized exactly what he was doing. And I fell in love with that movie. And which is why I've watched it 25 and 30 times. And so I'm heading into The Last Jedi knowing full well that this is going to be a logical continuation of The Force Awakens. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it can go, good or bad. You know, I'm just... Yeah looking for a really good story the same way as The Force Awakens is a good story. There's, there's less pressure for it to have to be good, I think. This time, I think that with The Force Awakens, it was such a... We, like, everybody needed it because the prequels were such a downer. They needed to see that Star Wars could still be good outside yeah. of the originals. Uh, so everybody was forcing their pressures and opinions on that, and then that, that kind of muddied the waters a little. But ultimately, it's a fantastic film. Uh, with this one, I think people are now more open to the fact that it's Star Wars. Just let it let it breathe, let it do its own thing, and don't fucking worry about it. Don't kick yourself too hard trying to work out, you know, what the fuck it has to be. Just enjoy it and see the fucking film. And if you don't like it, you don't like it, you like it, you like it. I, everybody hopes they like it, but I mean, if it, if they don't, so fuck. You got your Force Awakens. It's good. <laughs> so I guess that's it. You know. All right, Colin. Thank you very much, man, for for coming on and talking with us about star wars and gilda and and uh your show man i want you to plug your show i want everyone to go give colin yeah, llewellyn give a follow on twitter yeah yeah we're uh so how about man plug on your I, stuff i'm at colin llewellyn you can get the proper spelling from lee he knows how to spell it uh <laughs> there's, there's several g's and uh <laughs> and our podcast is at another film pod at twitter gmail uh and soundcloud uh you can find it on itunes um yeah, check us out. We, we'd love to have more uh, listeners listening to Classic Movie Talk. Um, and we, we're open to rec recommendations, too. If there's something you guys want to hear about, let us know. We'll watch it and talk about it. Cool. Anybody who's not following Colin uh, on Twitter, uh, he's a fun guy to interact with. He'll pop up a tweet every now and then, and you'll be like, what the fuck is this? And it just makes you laugh, so it's going to be great. <laughs> Another film podcast is one that I like plugging. I, I, I head out to the gym, and it's one that I look forward to, and there hasn't been one in a while, so get working motherfucker uh, <laughs> may 3rd may 3rd all right cool so lee where can we find you sir yep uh you can find my uh reviews and general musings at bigpicturereviews.co.uk uh still still doing that our the award that we're nominated for i won't be attending the ceremony unfortunately uh right that's it's for atlantic screen connection through big picture reviews uh that's happening in london i can't afford to go there uh, that cost, it's going to cost me something like 300 pounds to do it. It's not, it's, it's impossible this close to the wedding. But uh, super excited to hear the result. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be great. That, yeah. happen, that happens a couple of weeks from when this episode airs. So, I mean, that's, that's actually, it's just one week. The week after this episode airs, that's going to that's gonna cool. be announced. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter at BigPickReviews. Uh, I am the more jaded of the two of us when it comes to social interaction. Uh, <laughs> whereas, uh, where Jason uh, accepts all comers, I will. You, you, you have to tag me and want to talk to me. 
because I'm not gonna. I just don't tweet all the time. So uh, yeah, but I, I, if you want, if you have a review or an opinion you want me to read, I absolutely, I, I almost retweet everything sent to me. Very forthcoming with that. Absolutely, seek me out because I'm not gonna do it for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. My name is Jason Michael. You can find me at Atlantic SC on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much, you guys, for tuning into the show. Obviously, you guys can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play now, Overcast. Lee and I were talking about that just the other day. Apparently, we're on Podcast Addict. I think this is just yep. iTunes feeding all these other apps, our RSS feed. Also, Stitcher Radio. Stitcher Radio. That's right. We're on that thing, too. Uh, big shout out again to David Hart. Thank you so much uh, for uh, nice comments. Mike from War Machine vs. Warhorse. Had a great time with JD as well over at Incession Film this week. Um, and uh, delightful, yeah, delightful Sheila, soul. Sheila was a fun <laughs> one to interact. We had a fun time this week on Twitter. It was really, really funny. And uh, Emerald Williams, uh, another one. Uh, she's really, really fun too. So give her a follow. So that's it for us this week on Atlantic SC Next. And we'll be back with our regular show. We're going to be talking about the Fast and the Furious, or the Fate yeah. of the Furious, I should Fate say. Fate of the Furious. And it's going to be the most pretentious fucking podcast on Cannot that film. Wait. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's going to be so insane. I've been researching familial dynamics post 9-11, and it's going to be a real fucked up I mean, You haven't even seen it yet. Wait till you see what the, the, the rich material that is present in that film, man. It's going to blow your yeah? mind. Yeah? <laughs> awesome, man. Excellent. So that's it for us again this week. Please say bye to Colin, and we'll see you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.